I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, Small Business Advanced Tax Planning and Compliance Extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. Uh, today, we're going to welcome to the podcast, Derek Van Ness. Uh, Derek is a well strategist who is passionate about helping people reach their full potential. His company, Big Life Financial, is focused on removing the mystery and misinformation surrounding money and financial strategy so people can live their biggest life. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so Derek is my new best friend. Uh, we met <laughs> in the pre-interview and we've spent a lot of time together in the last few weeks. <laughs> yes, we have, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, Derek and I just clicked on tax stuff and financial stuff and you know we like to nerd out together which is really yeah fun. it is and good then, when you find your tribe of nerds i know <laughs> you're like let me draw your things and i'm like yes please draw me things i love drawing <laughs> things um and then you just did your series um on facebook right I did, yeah. Um, so why don't you, I want to just kind of talk about a little bit about that because it's just kind of brand new and then we'll hop into the usual questions. Very cool. Yeah, so we, we started a group called the Business Owner Success Lab because that's mm -hmm. primarily who we work with because we can do tons of cool stuff tax-wise, right? Mm -hmm. um, and tons of cool things financially because business owners have, you know, a lot more ability to control what's happening with their financial situation than maybe a, a W-2 does. Mm -hmm. So we started this group and uh, we do weekly trainings every Friday morning, uh, 10 o'clock mountain. We're both in mountain time. Uh, but uh, you Rarely. dog onto the group and yeah, and, and we do that. And then we, uh, every couple of months, we do a seven day masterclass. Uh, this time we did it on taxes and just talked about all the possibilities, all the different things that people are, aware, are not aware of, all the big mistakes all the stuff that's going on with COVID this year, because there's a ton of different stuff that way. We talked about strategies for high income earners. We talked about creating tax-free retirement. So we really tried to go deep dive every single day for a week into all the possibilities that are there. And then, uh, you know, kind of help people really understand what they might not know that they're missing. Because I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing is a lot of people think, oh, I've got this handled until they talk to someone who's really good. And then they're like, oh, wait, Maybe I don't. So what we really wanted to do is just give everyone a chance to see what's possible. So it was really fun, a uh, ton of feedback, and uh, we're just having a good time in that group. So uh, it was the first time doing it under that format, mm -hmm. but we, we had enough interest and enough people there and enough questions that absolutely going to do it every six to eight weeks, like every month or two. I admire you for doing that <laughs> daily. <laughs> Thank I think you. I like hopped in the, into the, like the last day because I was like making dinner. I'm like, I'm just going to hang out, see if there's anything. Um, yeah, it's really good. And I think you're right. Like the code, the and I tell people all the time, the tax code is so complex. Like there's no way to know all of it, especially if you're a lay person, right? Sure. Like that's my sure. job. That's what people pay me to do. <laughs> and there's yeah. still plenty of bits of the tax code that I don't know because I haven't encountered them yet. Yeah. Um, I yeah, joke somebody about was it. talking about like international tax yesterday. I was like, nope, don't know anything yep. about that yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have access to some people who do that kind of thing, mm -hmm. but it is so complicated, especially mm -hmm. when you go country to country and even things like Puerto Rico, like there's, mm -hmm. you know, I have a client or two that are down there and their tax thing is a completely different world. And what if the business is half here and half mm -hmm. there? And mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, that's a whole nother realm where I have to bring in specialists because 
over my head. Uh, I love a lot of things about taxes conceptually as far mm -hmm. as being able to save them and play the game. Mm -hmm. But like you said, the tax code, I looked this up and apparently WordWise is similar in size to the Harry Potter series. So that's how big it is. And there's a reason nobody knows all of it. And it's not just if you read it, it's not black and white. There's mm -hmm. a ton of room for interpretation for a lot of these things. Like we do R&D tax credits and there's a lot of fluctuation in what is research, mm -hmm. right? They've got criteria, but like how you look at that and how you, you know, it's like attorneys, they can almost make anything work if you know how to go about it. Well, and then we have to take the code plus the case law. So we have code plus publications, plus case law, plus interpretations of said case law, <laughs> you know, and it's, and I always tell people like, I understand a lot about how to save people money on taxes. Like I know how to move stuff. I know how to do it because I pay attention to people who are a lot smarter than me. Like I could go read the code, but that's not, that's not really going to help anybody, including me. Um, but I always say I know enough people that are smarter than me that I trust to implement some of this stuff. Right. And there's a lot of it that like I know about, but I wouldn't personally implement it. I would send you somewhere else to the, you know, the experts to make sure it's done properly. Yeah. I think, I think that's a key. Like a lot of people don't, don't realize like financial strategy and taxes and corporate entity structuring and all that. It's so complex that no one person can know it all. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can have a high level understanding of it, but you really need to work with experts and there's a difference between somebody who hangs a license and somebody who's really actively in the, mm -hmm. the learning stages and, and implementing stuff and consistently trying to get better mm -hmm. because it takes a long time of trying to get better and learning every day to, to really get to where you're elite. Yeah. So. And I think that's very true. Um, and I think you probably encounter this too, but I don't know if we're ever going to get to the actual questions, but <laughs> You know, people always think it's like a one-stop shop here. And I'm like, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not, you know, I don't do R&D credits. I don't do cost segregations. I know what I know. Mm -hmm. And there are so much to know there still. Um, and I realize that, that I can't hop into all that other stuff because I just wouldn't service people properly, you know, because then I would know little about a lot, which in my day-to-day -day life, I do know a little bit a lot. <laughs> I'm kind of a jack of all trades, but not in my business. You know, I kind of refuse to do that. Well, and that's why serve things, anybody. Yeah, that's why things like family offices exist, right? Mm -hmm. The highest level people. They've got a team because it takes a team to perform at a high level. And I think the best thing you can hope for as somebody who's not worth 50 million plus is, is just to have people who are coordinated who align with your premise and your values and understand what you're trying to do. And they can work together because the worst thing for me is, well, my CPA said to do this, but my attorney said to do that. And what do you think? Right? Like everybody's looking at their own little micro piece of the pie. So if you can have people, and this is why we click, mm -hmm. if you can have people who are on the same page and approach it the same way, mm -hmm. philosophically, then all of those, uh, all those pieces jive and they all work together synergistically you don't have to double over on things. You don't have things that are being missed. It's a really nice thing to, uh, to bring into your business. Yeah. And I think, you know, also, you know, creating that, especially like creating that proper team and the team has to be focused on whatever the client's goal is. Right. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time, I mean, just because I work with CPA, just because I am a CPA and I know how CPA, most CPAs think they're just like, well, what saves the most tax yesterday? Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> 
and, and you and I have beat this to death. But yes, we have. A, a ton of people are like, oh yeah, just defer the taxes. And that's not tax savings. That's no, that is not tax deferral. savings. That's pay taxes later. Mm-hmm. And we, you and I think agree that it's, there's a high likelihood that they'll be even higher later. So why lose access to your money and pay more taxes? It doesn't always make sense. Yeah. And deferral makes sense if you've got nothing left or nothing else to do with it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or if that's yeah. like one of your top goals, I want to defer as much as possible. Okay. That's fine. Let's figure out the best ways to do that for you. But usually we're looking for savings first, which is actual tax not happening. Yeah. Not, not paying taxes is a lot better than paying taxes later. I'm, I can say that without any question of a doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny to me a lot of the time. Um, But, you know, I always say, you know, people have different priorities. You know, I have, I have a, and I use him as an example all the time, but I have a client who probably should be in an S corp. But his priority is putting as much in his set plan every year as possible. All right, well, you're a single member LLC. Because that's his priority. And that's fine. And we have this conversation every single year about it. Um, that's his priority, but he gets to choose that. I don't mm-hmm. choose that. Um, mm-hmm. I used to work for a firm who just put people in S-corps without talking to him about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, so something I have a real problem with is that a lot of times clients don't get educated, sort mm-hmm. of what they're told is, hey, I know you're a really successful business person, mm-hmm. but you're not smart enough to understand or make any of these decisions on your own. So we're just going to tell you what to do or mm-hmm. hand us your money and trust us and we'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some comfort in handing it over to a professional, but ultimately you can't delegate personal responsibility, right? Like you need to know enough as to why am I doing this and how do I use the professionals effectively who are going to help me implement it so that if one of those people disappears in a tornado up to the land of Oz, you're not just out on an island, you know why, or if there's a disagreement or a Mm -hmm. partnership change or, you know, things happen if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, sometimes you find yourself in a really weird place when that one person who understands it goes away. So I think you gotta, you gotta have a high level understanding and mm-hmm. people who won't take the time to educate you, uh, there may be a reason for that. Maybe it's easier for them, but, but in my opinion, not always better for you. Mm-hmm. And maybe what they're doing isn't ideal for you. It's just profitable for them. I hate to say that, but I see it happen all the time. So. I think it's important for anybody listening to this, if you're a business owner, you do have to take some level of personal responsibility. You can't mm. delegate. You are signing all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like you can't delegate your relationship. You can't delegate your health. Mm-hmm. You also can't delegate all of your money. You can use professionals for all of those to help you. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like you got you to gotta take accountability for that because it is your life on the line. Yeah. I mean, I just find too many business owners are, I mean, and and just taking entity as as an example, because I think it's one that's simple to explain. Mm -hmm. Um, There are too many business owners who don't understand their entity. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. They'll say I'm an LLC and I'll say, awesome. Taxed as. What do you mean? An LLC. Well, an LLC isn't a taxable entity. (laughs) Yeah. Are you a sole member? Are you a partnership? Are you an S corp or are you a C corp? You could literally be any of those four things. That, those are the kinds of things that like people don't know that they mm-hmm. don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody told them just get an LLC, you're covered. <laughs> and, and that's, that's what I mean. Like nobody's educating them, right? They're just mm-hmm. saying do this. And 
And that's okay. I mm -hmm. mean, it's better than doing nothing because at least it gives you some options. But ultimately, mm -hmm. if you want to play at a high level, you got to step up your game. Um, you got to learn a little bit. You got to get better and you got to work with people who know what they're doing. Yeah. I, and I always use that example because it happens all the time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking with you. I've talked with you about two clients recently that are in that exact boat. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, and I think like the PPP loans have like exacerbated this issue of like people not knowing what entity they're in and properly, you know, handling those ent entities. Because if you're not doing that, you're not getting a proper PPP loan and you're not going to get proper forgiveness and it's going to be a whole cluster. Yeah, I'm a bit worried about that. I think a lot of people signed off and didn't read it, don't know the terms. They're just like, I need money now. Just give me whatever and it'll all be forgiven. And it might be, but if you don't know what you're doing, the chances of success are a lot lower. You can write that down. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> quotes, Derek quotes. All right, we're going to hop in. So what was your first job? Uh, very, very first job. Mm -hmm. I I worked for my father who was a tile contractor. I was about 12 years old mm -hmm. and couldn't even carry a box of tile. So I had to use a hand cart to drag tile in and out of the building and stack it where the guys were gonna need it. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I realized that hauling heavy things wasn't my favorite thing to do for a job. So I started uh, working at a golf cart mm -hmm. or golf, I'm sorry, golf course. Mm -hmm. I was the guy out there in the cart mm -hmm. that you know everybody's hitting golf balls at. Mm -hmm that was me. Yeah. And so sitting inside of a chicken wire cage while people tee off on you <laughs> with golf balls, especially when you got to get those golf balls right at the front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was me. That's so, was so fun. funny. Uh, we got to top. We love top golf, huge fans of top golf. Cause I don't really like to like, I'll golf golf if it's like a nine hole. Cause that's about all I'm good for. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of patience for golf, uh, but I love top golf cause you get to drink and eat and then, you know, hit some balls. Um, yeah. in random directions, but it's always funny to be with people driving around in the thing. I used to bar cart at a country club. Okay. Uh, in cool. college. It was really fun. Um, we rarely got hit with balls though. They didn't I, want to I, hit us with balls because they wanted us to serve them. Yeah. I bet you got hit with a lot of other things, but not, <laughs> not golf balls. It was the country club. There was none of that. <laughs> they buy me shots every once in a while though. I'll be like, guys, it's 11 AM and I'm not even that hardcore. <laughs> Y'all are 50 and I'm 20. No. Um, so kind of give us a summary of your career journey. journey. So All right. from like ball cages to. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I did a lot of construction through high school and mm -hmm. college just to make money. And because I grew up in it, I had a skill set that paid a whole lot more than bagging groceries or working fast food. So um, I, I did construction. And then when I graduated college, I knew I wanted to start my own business, but I also knew that I knew how I needed to know how to sell. And so basically I took the hardest sales job I could find, which was selling door to door. And it scared the pants off me, but I also knew that if I could do that, I could do anything. So I did that for about six months in San Francisco and in LA going door to door, selling these, these coupons, like four oil changes for $20 type coupons. Mm -hmm. I was like, was me. it Ed Edward Jones? Was it Edward Jones? <laughs> no, not in the financial world, okay. but it was, it was really good for me. I had mm -hmm. to deal with people who couldn't speak English. I had to deal with people who were not very nice. Mm -hmm. I got escorted out of more than one office. 
Um, but I, I, it was just a really great chance for me to get out there and get comfortable talking to people, mixing it up and, and communicating. Cause you know, I, I kind of hated this idea of these snake oil salesman type people. So it was good for me to just get that out of my head. And mm -hmm. then, then I went to a phone sales job and this might sound funny, but from going from door to door to making 200 cold calls a day was a piece of cake because the phone is a lot safer than when you're out there physically in their location and they're a total creeper or mm -hmm. some kind of weird person. So mm -hmm. um, did about 50,000 cold calls my first three years out of school and realized that I didn't love working in a cube. <laughs> total epiphany, right? Uh, so so I did that, but I, I also, when I was doing that, I was doing equipment financing and I, once again, I got to work with a lot of people, but also got to start seeing financial statements, got mm -hmm. to start seeing tax returns, got to start learning about business owners, what their cash flow looked like, how credit worked, how loans worked, um, all the criteria, the ratios, the different things that uh, a lender would look at to value a client or not want to approve them. And of course, heard all the war stories. So, so it was super good for me, but I just realized that working for someone else under fluorescent lights, you know, and cold calling on a Friday afternoon at three o'clock when you know everybody's gone home because you're on the West Coast was very frustrating. It's like, why am I here? And I still have to hit my phone call quota or they'll fire me. And that I just hated that. So then I took the jump and decided that I needed to learn a different skill set. And I started flipping houses. And I did that for, I did about 150 flips from 2001 to 2008. Wow. You and, were early uh, in the game. I was, it wasn't even a thing when I started, like flipping wasn't even a word. It was buy a house, fix it up and resell it. That's what it yeah. Like they didn't even call them that back then. It was mm -hmm. just, but I had a construction background. I thought, well, golf, I can do two or three of these a year and make a hundred grand. Like that's pretty cool. That's way better than getting up every day at five forty-five and not getting home till seven at night to make $50,000. So I made that jump. And then I realized that that could be a real, uh, a real business, not just like two or three a year, but I started doing two or three a month and we had a full, a full system going on. I had multiple contractors, multiple people in my office, several escrow agents handling all of our transactions. Cause at any given time we had between 10 and 20 houses going. And so it was just a ton of project management, a ton of organizational skills, mm. a ton of, you know, finding the right professionals. Cause when you're making good money, everybody shows up and has all kinds of schemes to take your money mm -hmm. or all kinds of ways to get you to do all these things that maybe aren't in your best interest. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot about that. And I spent a ton of money on business development, personal development, life skills, just improving myself. Cause I started to realize, Hey, if I spend money and I learn this skill one time at a weekend seminar or taking a class, mm -hmm. I get to keep that skill the rest of my life. That's kind of cool. That's really cool. So I probably spent over those couple of years, $150,000 going to mm -hmm. trainings and seminars and being parts of masterminds and all kinds of groups. And that really helped me to, to start to see the world differently. Mm -hmm. And um, in 2008, when I hit the wall, because not only was I flipping houses when the market crashed, I also happened to get hit by a snowmobile while snowboarding. Oh my gosh. And I broke my femur. And I was laying in bed as the market crashed around me, totally unaware of it because Vicodin is a really great painkiller. Side effect is you can't really think very well. Also brain so, number. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of woke up and I was like, hey, what's going on around here? Wow, this is really bad. 
I think I had 16 flips going, was paying about $75,000 a month in mortgages. And the houses had gone down in value by about 40% in that six months. So uh, yeah, my bank account got vacuumed out. And what I learned from that was two things. One is fastest way to learn how well you're running your business is to have it going in the hole massively. Mm -hmm. You start to pay attention to every little thing Mm -hmm. and understand what's working and what isn't. And two, I got a spiritual awakening out of it. Started meditating every day for stress purposes, started running every day for stress purposes. And Mm -hmm. because I had to teach myself how to run after a broken leg. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got some really great habits out of it, but that was a that 18 months was probably the roughest part of my whole life. Hmm. And, uh, and that's what got me into the financial side of things because I'd been making good money. But what I realized was I wasn't keeping enough of it. I was kind of on this financial treadmill of make a bunch, spend a bunch, make a bunch, spend a bunch, make a bunch, spend a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, I didn't have nearly enough to show for it. And uh, I wanted to really figure that out. So uh, a good friend of mine happened to be like financial wonder kid total genius. And, uh, and so I started working with his company and, and coaching a lot of people. Cause I did have entrepreneurial training. I did mm-hmm. have a lot of training with taxes and insurances and mm-hmm. investments and all that kind of stuff. And so we started to work together and that really helped me to kind of put the whole collective thing together that led me down the road I'm on now. Awesome. So kind of talk about like what you do now. So it says wealth strategist. What does that mean? Well, the first thing is it doesn't mean financial planner. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. I want to make that distinction. Uh, we, I guess the way that I like to put it is we help people keep more of what they make. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that's around taxes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then we help them be smarter with it. We help people create systems where you can systematically save and grow your money. Cause mm-hmm. the biggest mistake I see people make is they're like, Oh, I want to be an investor. And they put a bunch of money in the stock market or whatever. A, they don't have any idea what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And B, they don't have any savings. So the second something goes wrong, they have to pull money out to put it in, into, to plug whatever hole happened in their life or whatever emergency came up and they get penalized and they don't optimize for taxes. So a lot of people just aren't, they're not saving enough money. They're mm-hmm. not putting enough money aside. Um, and, and they just never get ahead. They're on that same financial treadmill that I was on. And so we help people to systematically create a way to do that where you can grow your money while still having access to it. Because as a business owner, it can sometimes feel like you're forced to do one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I've always hated that. It's like, ah, do I want to tie this money up because I might need it for my business or do I want to make it work for me? Mm -hmm. We teach a system that allows people to do both and kind of gets rid of that financial dilemma that business owners have. Awesome. So let's talk about that system. So you and I actually went over this last week and I've seen this concept Uh before, but Uh um, can you just kind of explain it? Um, Yeah. Everybody. So it's the infinite banking concept. What there's other names for it. Yeah. So it was the, the original idea was called the infinite banking concept. We call Mm -hmm. it the money maximization model because the idea is to get your money working as hard for you as possible, 24 hours a day, seven days a week without Mm -hmm. taking any unnecessary risk right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is we use a specially designed life insurance policy. I know there's a bunch of people who don't love life insurance and it's because most people, in my opinion, use it very ineffectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, We've talked about the different kinds, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weed stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So specific kind of insurance company and policy Mm -hmm. and everything, but basically it's designed to build cash as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it essentially becomes like a, a place you can save your money and build up an, an emergency slash opportunity fund. Mm -hmm. So as you build cash in there, you get a guaranteed rate of return plus a dividend on top of that. And as that money grows, you can utilize it to create your own banking system. Mm -hmm. And the real value in the banking system is every time you buy something, if you have to take a loan out, of course you pay interest, but you don't just miss the interest you pay. You miss what that interest could have turned into if you didn't have to pay it to the bank. Like if you got mm -hmm. to keep that 5,000 or 10,000 or $50,000 of interest, what could you have done with it? How could it have earned for you for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. So it recaptures that money, puts it back in your bank account so that you can utilize it and grow it from there. So it, it starts to compound on itself. And like anything, it, it takes a little bit of time to really get it going, mm -hmm. but it creates certainty because you get a great rate of return. Plus it creates flexibility because you can use cash when you need it. If something like COVID comes up, you're not caught, you know, with your hand in the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. um, and you can also use it for opportunities. Like a bunch of businesses are probably going to go out in the next couple of years here due to what's going on. If you're sitting on cash or have access to it, you may be able to buy a competitor. Mm -hmm. You may be able to team up with someone. You may be able to get equipment, whatever, at pennies on the dollar because you've got access to your own cash. So that's what we're really trying to set our clients up with, a system that grows their money and makes it available for whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. And I love that because, you know, a lot of the time, you know, our business owners will have line of credit, which also do that. I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. a really good thing to do, especially with money right now in your business. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. is the time to go get those things. Yeah. Um, but it's your own line of credit. You don't have to worry about the bank yanking it tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I talked to a lot of clients about that. There was a quote that I thought was super insightful, mm -hmm. especially financially. And they, they said, efficiency is always at the expense of, what do they call it? Resilience. Mm -hmm. If you get too efficient, like if you've got every penny outlined and everything has to work perfect, it becomes really fragile. Mm-hmm. And I see these people who are leveraged to the hilt. And as long as everything goes well, they're maximizing their dollars. But the second a little shockwave comes through, they, the whole thing could come tumbling down. And so we really try to strike a balance of how do I be as efficient and effective as I can while also being prepared for the fact that life's going to throw some tidal waves at us and some rough seas, right? So how do we do that and be prepared and really find a balance there? So, um, we could talk about this stuff all day. So let me just kind of go through my questions. <laughs> sure. So what are most business owners missing when it comes to growing those assets? So, you know, what are they missing and understanding what needs to happen or, you know, where their assets lie? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I think people really need to understand that your wealth is going to be created in your business. It's not some outside product. It's not some magic formula. Like wealth is, I've been preaching this a lot lately, but wealth is a system. Mm -hmm. You got to make the money. Then you've got to not pay the taxes so you can keep the money. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to save the money. Then you can put the money to work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you pull any of those links of the chain out, the whole thing isn't nearly as effective. So a lot of business owners focus on, they either focus on cutting expenses or they mm -hmm. focus on making more money. The problem is you kind of have to do both, right? The people mm -hmm. who just focus on the front end, it's like pouring more water in a bucket with holes. Like they're just pouring and pouring and they wonder where all the water's going. Mm -hmm. Other people focus on patching up all the holes, but they're not pouring enough money, money into the bucket, enough mm -hmm. water into the bucket. So 
it never fills up. Mm-hmm. So I think you want to figure out where your strength is. And then you want to work with people who can help you build up that weakness, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of entrepreneurs have a tendency to focus on the front end. In my experience, they're make more, make more, make more. That's the answer to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what they want to be aware of is we need a system to pay less in taxes, keep more of the money, and then put it to work for us in a way that um, that's predictable and powerful. Yeah. I mean, I think too many business owners um, get caught and are confused about the taxes at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. And then they're on a treadmill of like payments to the IRS. And then the next year they're still there because they didn't pay those off and they didn't pay the estimated taxes. And like, it's just this constant cycle of never being ahead of it or on yeah. top of it. Yeah. Um, but I also find that they choose that. Like this well, they is, do they kind of choose to be in this place because they don't want to get ahead sometimes. Well, and what I think some is, of that is just like head trash. It's money head trash probably, but. I think some of it is head trash, but I also mm-hmm. think some of it's people just learned incorrectly. So mm-hmm. we have things that we think of as necessary mm-hmm. and then we have things that we think of as extra, right? right? But the problem is people think that okay, paying my taxes at the end of the year is necessary, but Mm -hmm. meeting with my accountant or my team throughout the year is extra. The truth is, if you want to play at a high level, Mm -hmm. meeting with your team throughout the year is necessary. If you want to retire with a lot of money, saving isn't extra. Growing your money Mm -hmm. isn't extra, right? Like people think, oh, I paid all my bills. That's necessary. Saving, ah, that's kind of extra. Investing, Mm -hmm. ah, that's kind of extra tracking my expenses. That's kind of extra. Like it'd be good to do. Mm -hmm. And if I do, I should give myself a glass of wine, but if I don't, it's okay. And the difference is they get completely opposite results, right? So you want to refocus. Like if you thought to yourself, it's not optional to meet with my, my accountant or my tax person throughout the year, it's required for me to do well, Mm -hmm. then you would just do that. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, I have to meet at the end of the year, but that's all I really need to do. So they do the minimum and they get results that are consistent with that. Yeah, I actually had one of our, because we do, every year we do um, projections and planning for all of our clients that Mm -hmm. send us their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a client that called me in like January and he's like, are you still doing those? And I was like, I sent you like 12 emails and you told me not right now. Like, yeah. I can't force you to do like the front end work because I do need you here. I do need some input from you to, you know, complete the service. Right. And he was like, oh, right. Can we stay clients? And I was like, yeah, I love you guys, but don't come at me when you know, when we don't know how much you owe. <laughs> Cause that's not, you know, I tried <laughs> many yeah. times. I phone calls, emails. We want it to not be a surprise and I want to do what I can do to help you with it. Um, but it was just the whole conversation. I was like, we're good, but <laughs> when I you mean, don't know how much you owe, it's not my problem. <laughs> you're overpaying taxes, but we're fine over yeah, here. Yeah, I'm good. You know, that's your choice, right? You made that choice <clears throat> and not making it like, and not sending me your stuff is a choice. Um, and I just want to respect your choices. You know, it's not my yeah. job to, you know, be your mama, make sure it happens. What, what's interesting is I find if I can reframe taxes for people as a form of income, Mm-hmm. Then those top line guys go, oh, wait, so I put in 10 hours of work during the year, but I get to keep an extra $40,000. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. a really good ROI. Like yeah. that's a return on investment that I can live with. Yeah. And, and so I think 
I really try to reframe it mm-hmm. because like you said, I think a lot of people just, they have it in their, their brain incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Like it's a thing you have to put up with instead of a thing that if you excel, you get to keep an extra 20% of your money every year. Like yeah. that's a lot. It's a big yeah. deal. It does take work though. Right. Yeah. But if you, if you contextualize that work as this is me earning money, Mm-hmm. as opposed to this thing I have to put up with. <laughs> it's it's totally different. The experience of it is totally different. Oh, I do mm-hmm. these couple of things and I get an extra 10, 20, $30,000. Yeah. I totally love that. Or I, I get to... some options to do that. Yeah. Like I, I always run... do options. I built an options. I'm like, here you go. You could do this. You could do that. You could do the other thing. I like that. Let me know. That, that's, that's cool. I, I found, I used to run some Airbnbs in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny because they created like per unit about a thousand dollars a month in cash flow, right? Which is great. Mm-hmm. But every time somebody had a problem, about once a month between the couple of units I was running, something big came up. I had to go out. A window was broken. There was, you know, something happening weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever. And I was just like such a pain because I was. It was such a pain to me because I was like, God. Why do I have to do all this work? This is stupid because it works 99% of the time. And as soon as I reframed it in my brain as that one thing a month, mm-hmm. I get paid my thousand dollars per unit for, oh, right. it's worth a couple thousand bucks. So I have to go do this one thing. Oh, that's all. Okay, great. So all of a sudden it was just like, okay, this is how I get paid. Mm-hmm. It totally changed my experience of it and my, uh, my willingness to do the work that needed to be mm-hmm. done because I didn't see it as like something I had to put up with. It was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is where I earned my couple thousand bucks this month. I also think I love that reframe too, because for a lot of, um, for a lot of business owners, you know, there are certain things that they probably shouldn't be doing in their business, like bookkeeping for one. That's one of my big soapboxes. Um, right. But if they would just realize what they could earn on those hours or mm-hmm what they could be doing with their time on those hours. Oh, your goal is to like be home with your kids on Fridays. Okay. Hand us your bookkeeping. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's that kind of that time value of money stuff. Um, but anytime, you know, I think as business owners, we're working on processes in our business, we're growing our business. We're talking to mentors, we're doing whatever, you know, you said, I, you know, I went to all these, I spent $150,000 in a year, you know, learning how to be a business owner and going to masterminds and things like that. Anytime we're putting in that knowledge time, it's going to come back to us at some point, right? It does have a value eventually. And I think that's where the disconnect is. You know, it's not just dollars per hour. It's, well, it's dollars it's not per just, knowledge. Not just dollars today. Mm-hmm. Like, so in marketing, there's a concept called lifetime customer value, mm-hmm. right? It's not how much do I make on one sale? Mm-hmm. It's how much can I make on a client the, the rest of their life if I treat them well and I serve them and we mm-hmm. build a relationship a lot of big businesses, the way they're built, and this might sound backwards, but it totally works. They're willing to lose money to make mm-hmm. those first couple of sales to mm-hmm. acquire the client and build their loyalty. Like when I was selling those oil changes, right? They're doing an oil change for $5, but what they're doing is they're getting the person used to coming into their shop. And now when the person needs something, they come in and listen, dentists and auto mechanics are like the two most referred people because trust is a serious issue for people in those industries. So auto mechanics, if they, if they, you get used to going in there, you get to know them a little bit, you're familiar, mm-hmm. guess where you do all your business until you can't the rest of your life. So yeah, they gave away a couple of oil changes so that you're a lifetime customer, but 
it's, it makes such a massive difference. So investing in your knowledge is the same thing. Mm -hmm. You have to acquire that skill set and then you get to use it for the rest of your lifetime. What's the lifetime value of that skill set? I talk to people in their twenties about this all the time. It's like, mm -hmm. don't take jobs for the money, take jobs for the skill set you will acquire. Cause if you get the right skill sets while you're in your twenties, you can do whatever you want the rest of your life because you're super, super good at what you do. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, working for other people and whatever, like I've had to develop a lot of this, like I didn't have leadership skills, I didn't have management skills and project management skills. Well, I did have project management skills because I was a tax manager for a long time, but to do all of that efficiently was a whole nother ball of wax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've had to, I've had to learn and I've learned a ton. I mean, honestly, like the podcast and then talking to other people, but you know, I've had to learn, like I've had to apply and break it and then fix it and, you know, like reiterate, um, because that's how we learn. And a lot of us are doing that in our business. We're like, ah, how do we do this, you know, better and more efficiently, but how do we get to where we want to go? Um, and it's that skill set. Yep. Yep. I just tell people, where do you want to be five years from now or 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. What skill sets and relationships do you need to have to get mm -hmm. there? Like mm -hmm. to really be worth it, worthy of it. Mm -hmm. And then just reverse engineer it. Okay. Make a checklist. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need to be excellent at this. I need to know people who do this and, and just start doing that. Mm -hmm. Take the jobs, do the projects, do the homework, have fun with it. You know, take on the the extra social activities, whatever it, it takes, just start mm -hmm. doing that. And amazingly, a couple of years from now, you'll find yourself really right on that trail. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Cause I'm always like, what do you want in 10 years? Right. That's always mm -hmm. mine too. What do you want in 10 years? Cause people will underestimate what they can get to in 10 years. They will. And they'll overestimate how much they can do in a year. So if I get that like kind of spectrum, <laughs> then we can yeah. kind of reverse engineer what the next steps are. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's what the fun stuff is. Like the fun stuff is like, just taking those, uh, my mom always is like, just take the bite of the elephant, Jamie. Yeah. We get to take little bites of the elephant every day. Something that goes towards building something yep. that we want. Yep. The, the joke I say is when you're really clear on where you want to go, it's easy to know whether to turn left or right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, oh, I'm driving to Los Angeles. Okay. I know exactly how to get there. But if I don't know, I'm like, yeah, I just want to kind of go somewhere sunny. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of places that are sunny, especially right now in the middle of the summer, mm -hmm. right? So you just drive in circles. So if you can get really clear, like you said, on that 10-year vision or five-year vision or whatever, then a lot of the decisions make themselves and you just have to carry them out. Yeah. Uh, you have to go left to get to LA. Just. What if I'm traveling south? <laughs> well, you have to go south, south left. <laughs> south left. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look for that on my compass. Southwest. Uh, Derek is in Salt Lake City. So just, yes. you know, do west of us. Isn't it do west of us? Mm. Pre pre pretty much. I think we're a little bit south, but pretty darn close to straight west. North. Now I have to look at the map. <laughs> it's like I just Me drove through there two weeks, you know, two years ago, but I forget. I forget. All right. Um... So let's talk about the R&D credits because I feel like that's something you understand better than most people do. Um, so that's something you yep. guys help facilitate. Um, Correct. You have a company, you kick it all to. Um, but, you know, who are the 
businesses that are probably missing R&D credits on their tax returns. This is actually a concept I'm learning about right now. Um, So kind of just talk about that and, um, you know, kind of what industries we're looking at for those. Okay. Well, the big ones, as far as industries, anything that's medical, Mm -hmm. software development, manufacturing, and construction, Mm -hmm. right? Because what they're looking for in research and development is, are you creating a customized solution or outcome or process? And are you consistently evaluating uh, um, uh, outcomes and, mm-hmm. and alternatives to get better at that? Are you testing new materials, new techniques? Are you tweaking and testing new ideas? Uh, and are you creating something that's customized, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got a business that's in one of those areas, I mean, obviously medical, almost everything's custom, mm-hmm. right? There's not a lot of boilerplate solutions for the human body. Um, if you're in custom, like new construction, like if you're just remodeling bathrooms and kitchens, then probably not as much, but if you're using blueprints, there's probably a good chance of that. Um, and the, the big things they're looking for, uh, I'm just going super broad strokes here is, is, uh, qualified research activity. So like how many dollars are you spending? A lot of it's through payroll, right? You're paying Mm -hmm. engineers to come up with structural assessments or, architects to come up with with blueprints or software developers to come up with new uh, non-boilerplate solutions with software code Mm -hmm. to to come up with that. Um, So how many dollars are you paying toward that? A certain portion of that money can be reimbursed to you. Also, if you're using contractors for other research-related stuff. So in construction, you don't do it all yourself, but you hire contractors, you know, a Mm -hmm. guy to come in and do this and a gal to come in and do that any of that stuff that's customized or has to be engineered or has to be figured out uh, would qualify. And then manufacturing, they're always trying new processes, trying new materials, um, just trying to get it better, faster, cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. So th- those areas are probably the, the key industries. I mean, there are a lot of other things. We've done it for financial strategists like myself um, who come up with custom plans for people and and are evaluating alternatives, uh, content creators, people who create wait, a lot can of I custom stuff. <laughs> Maybe. I was like, wait, can I do it? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've done a handful of people who are in, in that area. Mm-hmm. You just have to have enough. I would say, depending on how much research you're doing, you probably mm-hmm. need to have at least a couple hundred thousand dollars of payroll, mm-hmm. right? So if you're like a solo practitioner and it's just you, probably not. If you've got two or three people on your team who are strategists and between mm-hmm. all of you, there's three or $400,000 of payroll there. We're, we're getting in the ballpark, you mm-hmm. know, or if you're a, if you're a, like we've done dental offices are like a home run just because mm-hmm. of the amount of dollars that run through mm-hmm. done a lot of chiropractors, some other specialty doctors. And those just depend if you're, if it's just a chiropractor and, a, and an assistant, mm-hmm. probably not. There's probably just not enough dollars running through the business. Mm-hmm. But the neat thing about this is, the the barrier to entry is a lot lower. We used to it used to just be for big businesses, and in 2015 they changed the laws to mm-hmm. where the the way that the documentation and the simplicity of the whole thing has gotten better. So it doesn't cost so much for the the CPA to do the work. Mm-hmm. So now it's worth it for small businesses. So uh, it cool. really is a case by case basis. But those are the main things. There's something called the four part test if you mm-hmm. want to look that up that talks about the four boxes you need to check in order for this to qualify. And there's a handful of firms around the country that specialize in this. It's totally different than what a typical 
tax accountant or CPA would do. Mm-hmm. Just like I, I explain it as a whole nother side of the tax code. Not that there's really just two sides, but it's mm-hmm. just a different specialty. Yep. So yeah, it, you know, those are the kinds of things that we look at for people and help them. And, you know, I've, I've seen dentists get as much as between two doctors, $200,000 back if we look back three years, wow. but um, construction companies, depending on their volume, we've seen mm-hmm. some with seven figures. But also like some weird things, like if you're a franchisee, we had a, I know specifically Chick-fil-A and Keller Williams. If someone's a, like a franchise owner of one of those, apparently Keller Williams spent almost a billion dollars or some ridiculous amount of money building out this huge software system and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And I guess a lot of that rolls down to their franchisees mm-hmm. because we had, a, we had a case that someone got back hundreds of thousands of dollars um chick-fil-a owners apparently do you yeah yeah i work i work in there i help them with their stuff yeah yeah it's one of the bigger franchises yeah it's it's big and it's it's good chick-fil-a too like i i heard the average chick-fil-a owner was getting i haven't done these personally but some other guys who work in the same office uh $110,000 on average over the last three years per location (laughs) because apparently they've spent a bunch of money on research and development and it rolls downhill to all their franchisees. So we're just, we're just kind of cracking the tip of the iceberg. This has really only been around for maybe four or five years Mm -hmm. and it's taken people a year or two to really get it figured out. Mm -hmm. So it's really only been happening on a big scale for the last couple of years. And we just keep finding more and more things that qualify. Like you said, case law and sort of the art behind what is research Mm -hmm. is continuing to get figured out. But but it's really neat and it's a huge shot in the arm. You know, most of my dentists are getting forty to sixty thousand dollars back. And right now after COVID, that's like awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're loving it. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, it can apply to a lot of medical. Um, mm-hmm. so we work with veterinarians, you know this. Most of yep. our people know that. So we work with women-owned generally veterinary practices, and that's really it's really interesting. I'm actually, I have a few startups and I'm just like waiting for them to like <laughs> get enough money yeah. and money and stuff. And I'll be like, okay, let's talk our indie credits. Um, but you just gave me a, a, like an amazing list and I need to actually go, I need to go pull that for report because I, um, I think we have some clients that this would actually apply to. Um, I even have some that do like software stuff. Software is um, big. Yeah. My husband is actually a mechanical engineer and he does product um, improvement uh, yeah. for uh, John's Manville. So they, you know, you said like the testing and then, you know, all yeah. of that stuff, like that is totally what he does. Um, you know, they shut down the line and he goes and he tests off and it's very interesting processes, but you know, those big companies are like, oh yeah, R and D credits, but to mm-hmm. have, to have it available to small businesses. Um, yeah. and it's something that like, you're right. It's been really kind of happening for the last two years, like the last couple of years, cause I've been hearing more about it and I've, you know, I've done some CPE on it. Um, but to have the people that are just properly testing it and understand what the IRS wants and how to defend this stuff. Like a lot of the time when we're dealing with some of this stuff where it's like really these big credits and these big amounts back, like somebody has to like be sure that what they're doing is super coach, right? It's defensible. Yep. Like yep. the tax law is good. And that's the people we hand this stuff over to. So we were talking about like experts earlier, like mm-hmm. this is stuff you hand over to somebody who knows what they're doing. You don't have your general practitioner, CPA, or accountant who just like does all the things, do your R&D credits. Like this needs to be done by a specialist. 
That that is correct. Yep, I've seen some big bigger firms that have it built in, where mm -hmm. they have a um, they have an R and D division, so mm -hmm. they kind of the regular CPAs are much more aware. But like mm -hmm. a typical CPA is not aware of this. Mm -hmm. um, it's coming up a lot more, and a lot of them are open to it. But some mm -hmm. of them are just like, I've never heard of it. Couldn't be a thing, and that's unfortunate because their clients are missing out. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's definitely happening, and uh, what we've seen. And what I've been, how it's been explained to me is that a lot of the stuff kind of gets more or less audited on the front end. The mm -hmm. government's not just going to send you back a big fat check because you mm -hmm. said, Hey, send me a check. Mm -hmm. They're looking at, does this fall in the guidelines of the industry? Does this, you know, seem like it makes sense? And, and is this activity checking the four part test? If it mm -hmm. is, it qualifies. And if mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, the numbers are black and white as far as how much you paid out in payroll, how much you paid contractors, how much you paid for materials, that kind of stuff. Um, the art is of course, in what, what percentage of those things actually applies to research. And mm -hmm. we just want to stay within the guidelines of what's applicable to that industry or how you're approaching it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's another, it's another reason to have your books ready to go. So you just said yep. the contractors, if you can't, like, if you, if you didn't properly 1099, all those contractors, you're probably not going to get your R and D credit, right? Or the R and D people are going to be like, sorry we can't substantiate any of this, right? So if they're handing a packet of stuff and it's not kosh, you're SOL. Yep, I agreed. They're, you know, what you have filed is what they're gonna be working off of mm -hmm. to see what you qualify for. Right, and if your yep. stuff's not good, it's not clean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a benefit to you. Agreed, 100%. Um, you know, it goes back. I always have all these, I have like a long list of why you should have your books and tax returns and compliance. I'm adding R and D credits to the bottom of it. Well, this year you can put stimulus checks, oh, you can I put all kinds of that. things and all that. I did that. Guys, it's, so, it's just, it's so important to have this stuff, you know, ready to go. And you know, one of my things too, is I don't do tax planning for people who don't want to be compliant because yeah. we might be doing stuff like we're not, I'm not ever doing any stuff, any stuff that's like red, but for someone that might be a little gray, but I'm not messing with it. I am not messing mm -hmm. with your stuff. If you're not cool to be compliant because yeah. it's not defensible. Well, and I try to explain to people a lot of this stuff, if you don't document it, it is mm -hmm. dark gray area, but if you mm -hmm. document it, it's black and white. It's, it's really easy. Yeah. You just, that's the being proactive part is, taking the pictures, writing up the paperwork, mm -hmm. structuring the payment, whatever it is mm -hmm. in a way that it is compliant. And that's, that's the game. It is the game. Um, but being mm -hmm. compliant lets you play the game. Yeah. And a lot of this, you know, it makes mm -hmm. like, even if you need to go get a line of credit, it makes you lendable. It helps you be lendable to have clean books, clean tax returns, clean, whatever, you know, I mean, try go getting a PPP loan with no payroll and an S corp. You can't, you got your stimulus. Yeah. <laughs> You've been taking it <laughs> for the last, however many years you haven't been paying yourself proper payroll, you know, it's a mess. Um, so it's just, it's just another reason, you know, for me to get up on my soapbox about compliance. There's no reason to not be. Well, and listen, I'm, I'm right there with everybody. I'm an entrepreneur. I don't love books. I don't love taxes, but I understand the importance of them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I don't love it. I try to outsource as much of it as I can because, yeah. but I have to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm 
I'm leaving money on the table. I'm not really a leave money on the table kind of guy if I can help it. That's really good. I'm actually in the process of trying to convince a client that they need to get their books done monthly. <laughs> uh, and I'm about to send them a whole list of reasons. Um, and they might actually, R&D credits might be a possibility for them too. I need to go look. Um, cool. So um, that's another reason they should have this stuff figured out before, you know, December every year. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, like, I'll just throw this out there. When I work with higher net worth clients and I'll, I'll say higher net worth is $500,000 of taxable income mm-hmm. or higher. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't even do anything in December. If you start approaching this stuff right now, mm-hmm. you can put some things in play over the next couple of months. And listen, you want to be understanding what you're doing and so mm-hmm. forth. You can put things in play that can save you six figures in taxes. Mm-hmm. Like it's a major, major difference but it's got to be done proactively. And if you don't have your books done, you don't know where you stand. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it really hard to make decisions because you don't have the information, right? We're dealing with that with COVID. What's, what's real information? What's fake information? What are the standards? Same thing with your books. You got to know where you stand so you can make good decisions, um, estimate those taxes and project and, and make moves accordingly. But I mean, that in and of itself can be worth six figures if you do it right. So it's, yeah. it's a big deal. It is a huge deal. And I always tell people, I don't do my own books. My mom does the bookkeeping around here and I gave her mine because I couldn't keep up with them because I was like, I got other stuff to do. You know, I'm worried about our client stuff a lot of the time. You know, that's where my heart is, is to like making sure our clients are cool. So my mom actually does our book, my bookkeeping. I finally was like, mom, can you take this from me? She actually yelled at me. She's like, this isn't reconciled for the last three years. I was like, it all matches. I just didn't hit the reconcile button. I get it. I'm also my clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, I am. I have other shiny things I need to be worrying about. Well, it's highest and best use of your time. It's For not. most entrepreneurs, doing the books is not. Mm-hmm. Tax strategy is a very good use of your time if you're making much money. If you're only yes. paying 10 grand a year, Maybe you don't need to put a ton of time into it. Once you start getting over that, you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, we got to talk about it. got to look at it. All right. Um, before I ask my last question, uh, what is the easiest way for people to find you? A uh, couple ways. Of course, my website is biglifefinancial.com. Mm-hmm. We also uh, ha- give away a free gift there for anybody who's listening to the podcast that talks about the uh, money maximization model mm-hmm. that we talked about. It is just biglifefinancial.com forward slash free gift, all mm-hmm. one word, free gift. Or you can text, like I know a lot of people that listen to podcasts on the phone and you know you don't have time to do all that. So you can just text the word big life, B-I-G-L-I-F-E, to 38470. Mm-hmm. It'll later on it'll, it'll send you a text, what's your email and what's your phone number and that cool. kind of stuff. And uh, they'll send you a book and you can check it out. Uh, and you can set an appointment to talk to us, but yeah, usually going to the website is a great place to start. And then if you have questions, you can just book a time to talk there. And then the Facebook group. Oh yeah. We do also have, I have a YouTube channel. You can just Google my name or you can go to big life financial forward slash YouTube. And we do have that group. It's called the business owner success lab. Mm -hmm. It is specifically designed to, you know, give you information that's going to help you be a big business owner. We, mm-hmm. we do daily things where we have business owners sharing best practices and what are they reading and what's working and then weekly, weekly trainings. And then as I talked about every couple months, we do a deep dive into taxes or something else to really create massive value for you. So it's different than a typical Facebook group. We're really looking to 
create actual value, not just like have a bunch of people who occasionally come to the, the page. It's like a real forum where you can share ideas. Love it. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job in there. I've, Thank you. I've been in there um, answering questions when I can. Awesome. Um, last question. Um, so what is the one thing? Oh, geez. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, okay. What is the one thing business owners um, should focus on in their finances? Uh, I think the biggest thing, if you could do one thing is systematic savings, setting aside money, paying yourself first. I know that's super, super cliche, but if you don't do that part, you just can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. So systematically saving 10 to 20% of everything you make. I'm not a huge fan of the stock market and that's a whole nother different topic because it ties up your money, but um, setting that money aside somewhere will make sure that you get richer every single month, every single year. Mm -hmm. And the goal here is to acquire enough money and start creating asset-based income so that you can live the life you want to live, right? That's kind of our big mission is get money out of the way so you can live a big life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that starts with systematic savings. Yeah. And I just love how you guys are, how you're always just like, we want you to live a life right now. Because a lot of people are just like, yeah. save till it hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's what you do. You cut corners, you scrimp, you save, you play small your whole mm -hmm. life. Then you get to retirement. You're so tired and so and worn old. out and have just enough money that you can live on the minimum. And that's when you're supposed to really have a good time. Mm -hmm. Come on. And then you die. Yeah. Nope. Better to live now. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant.